Praise the Lord. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 21. Hallelujah. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise the Lord. Awesome. There's a happy vibe in the house today. You know, each uh, week it's a little different, but but everybody seems really genuinely happy today. That's pretty exciting. Um, this is a very awesome... Um, in fact, I can't imagine a better chapter in the Bible to be studying. Um, this is probably the best chapter in the entire Bible that I get to teach today. Um, so before we get into it and I read the scripture... I, uh, you're, I'm gonna have to have you use your imagination this morning. Um, actually, before I get into this, Ryan, I just wanna thank you for the worship. I don't ever wanna take that for granted. That was really awesome worship this morning. And give him a, yeah, give him a hand this morning. I, that worship team, the whole worship team, just very, very awesome this morning. Didn't wanna leave worship. How many felt that this, this morning? Just very, uh, awesome to be in the presence of the Lord. And I appreciate it. I don't ever wanna take that for granted. Thank you. Um, but I, as we go into this, I want you to stop for a second and just imagine before I read this scripture, I want you to, in your mind, just close your eyes. You got my permission. You're not, not going to be weird. I'm sure just, just everybody close their eyes. I want you to imagine right now how you picture heaven. Like what does the, just picture right now, what does the, if there is a gate there, how many have heard all the jokes about St. Peter at the gate? Uh, picture that gate right now. What do you think it looks like? What do you think the street looks like that's made out of gold? Or do you think it's made out of gold? Just picture the proportions of the gate. Picture the proportions of the street. Picture the proportions that you see the city. And by the time I'm done this morning and we've studied the scriptures, you can open your eyes now. I want you to line that up with what we study today and see if it's the same. Because I'm afraid that our ultimate goal is heaven. And this is the only description in the Bible that really gives of it. And so if it is our goal and it's our destination... Um, we need to have an accurate description of it, right? How many agree with that? We have to have an accurate idea in our mind because uh, we'll be better equipped to reach heaven if we know what we're expecting. And so this is a very unusual chapter because nowhere else in the Bible does anyone have a description of it really. Ezekiel has a little bit of a vision of it. Uh, Paul actually went to third heaven, but he was forbidden to talk about it. And so I would have liked Paul to have been able to talk about it, but he wasn't able to. God uh, told him not to talk about it. And I think it had something to do with uh, humility. And uh, so really John's vision of heaven becomes very critical because it's the only one we have. And every description that we hear people talk about it comes from this particular vision that John has. And so we don't want to just get um, the popular media version. You know, we want to get the uh, actual description that John gave and try to... um, It's going to take a lot of imagination in this message because this is something John's describing that I'm assuming is nearly impossible to describe for a human being. Uh, He was aided by the Holy Spirit... But it's going to be nearly impossible for us to understand unless we really have an imagination this morning. How many agree with that? We've got to try to picture in our mind these proportions which are unbelievable. So one thing I want you to do is, uh, how many are like me when you go on a trip, whether it's a two-hour trip, a five-hour trip, or a ten-hour trip, you like to have that GPS set. You like that Google Directions to be on there because you don't want to have to do it in the middle of the trip. So if it's somewhere you don't know exactly where you're going, how many have to have that set like right before you leave the driveway? You've got your coordinates put in, you've got your address put in, you know your turn-by-turn directions, and you're ready to go. And heaven is like that. Heaven is a place 
that we should have put those coordinates in and said, that's where I'm going. That's my destination. That's where I'm heading. And I'll read some scriptures here in a second about it. But as you read that, I want you to think about that. As a Christian, we should set that destination in and be heading that direction our entire life. This should be the place that we're locking in on and saying, Revelation 21, that's my destination. That's where I'm going and that's where I'm headed. And that's the one that Abraham set in. And I'll read that scripture in a second. But Revelation 21, let's read it together. Revelation 21, 9, it says, One of the seven angels, this is Revelation 21, 9 again, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia, or some of yours will say furlongs, in length, and as wide and as high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, and the city, listen to this, the city was of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a gate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the um, sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made with a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. city does not need the sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. The Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the book of life, Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. Uh, they will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help me today. Lord, help me speak Your word of unspeakable Things, Lord God, unfathomable things, Lord. Um, I pray that you give me the uh, ability to speak it, Lord. Give us the ability to understand it and comprehend it, Lord. And uh, Lord, help us set our sights on this destination, Lord. And uh, that we would uh, one day see this place, Lord. And um, Lord, that we would experience it, Lord. And we would live there forever with you, Lord. Uh, help us today, Lord. And I ask these things in your name, Lord Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Hallelujah. A few of you did. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we say so be it. Hallelujah. Let me know you're a part of this. Uh, God anoints a person to speak. And when we say amen, that means that we're all trying to comprehend this together. And so it's very difficult to share something that's unfathomable. Unfathomable. That's a tough word to say. (laughs) So this is going to be some work together to try to understand this. Number one, we have to remember uh, one thing that I spoke about last week is um, that this is the city um, that the faithful people all the way through the Old Testament and New Testament was looking for. Um, they talked about this city quite often. Uh, Hebrews 11.10, I read last week, it says, Abraham, Hebrews 11.10, Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations. Now, didn't we just read about a city with foundations? This is the one Abraham was looking for. So way back in the Bible, way back in the book of Genesis, somehow Abraham already knew about the city. And the Bible says that Abraham was preached the gospel in advance is what Hebrews says. So Abraham was looking for a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. How would you like to see a city that's fully constructed and its architect who wrote the blueprints for it is God? Verse 16 of Hebrews 11. Instead, and it's talking about the people of God, they were longing for a better country a heavenly one. What in the world is that talking about? You listen to the Bible really closely? They're looking for a better country. How many want a better country? You're like, I don't know, man. America's the best. It says they were looking for a better country, better than the U.S. Said not even possible, right? (laughs) We should be looking for a better country. One that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. How many see that the faithful of God should be looking for a heavenly city? It should be something that we, like Abraham, are looking for and anticipating greatly. Verse 22 of the same chapter, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God. There's a city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. See, some people read Mount Zion, the city of the heavenly God, or the living God, and they say, well, that's Israel over there in the Middle East. No, it's the heavenly Jerusalem. That's something that's not from this earth. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Well, there's our first clue. So what are we going to find when we get there? The angels, thousands upon thousands of angels singing. That's enough for me. (laughs) I don't even need more of a description. A city that God built, thousands upon thousands of angels. Can you imagine what it's going to sound like when we enter that city? We open our eyes and our spirit is in that city, and then we're going to be able, able to have a, on that time when the Bible says, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God's going to give us a physical glorified body, and then we're going to experience that city. And the angels upon angels upon angels. Man, what does that sound like? I thought Ryan Murray was the best thing I've ever heard. But this is going to be like an angelic, Ryan Murray with an angelic worship team. It's going to be even better. I know you can't even fathom that. I can't. Ryan can't even. Ryan's like, what? (laughs) And there'll be t-shirts we've never seen before in that place. (laughs) Hebrews 12.22 says... Well, actually, the one I just read. John 14, 1 to 3. Jesus, right before he dies, says, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. I want you to mark that in your Bible. That's the understatement. Greatest understatement maybe in the entire Bible. My, yeah, my dad's house has many rooms. We're going to show you how many rooms this house has. Okay, now some of you have pictured God's house, his mansion, and you thought, well, yeah, just 
Give me a mansion, just a little one. And what's the song? How's the song go? Just give me a small one. You know, you've heard some of these songs, some of these stories. This is the understatement of all understatements. In my father's house, he has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you that I am going to prepare there, going there to prepare a place for you. So he's going there to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you will always, always may be where I am. So he's going to take us to the place he prepared, the place that he says has many rooms. And he said, when you're there, you'll never leave me after that. You'll always be with me. And so the only description we have of this place is Revelation 21. That's the only description of the Father's house that has many rooms. So I want to kind of know some details here. I'm kind of surprised, really, we don't spend more time studying the details of the city. You know, because it's the only chapter that really gives us this. So as you look at the text, uh, let's start looking first at the size of the city. It says, It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now, how many can picture this? This is not not so hard, right? How many can picture a cubed city? And how many can picture three gates on each side? In fact, Ezekiel has a vision of a millennial temple that has the same thing. Three gates on each side, and it has the names of each of the tribes on each of the three sides. Okay, so that's not so hard to picture. The wall of the city has 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And you say, well, why is this important? Why is it important that the tribes are on the doors? And why is it important that the apostles are on the foundations? Because that tells you who belongs in the city. It tells you that all of the Old Testament uh, people that trusted in Christ... Uh, In fact, Hebrews calls them the righteous that were made perfect. And then it also tells you all of those who believed in Christ in the New Testament, that's their city. Their names are on the foundations. Their names are on the doors. How many, how many have ever seen a house where you go to the mailbox and there's their name? Well, how arrogant is that? You go to the front door, there might be something that says, welcome to, you know, personalized again. Oh boy, here we go. They're personalizing their doormat. Personalizing their door. You walk in, their name's all over the walls. Well, that's what this place is. This place has the names written on the foundation. The names are written on the doors. Um, that doesn't mean a whole lot until you go into the city and you see everything is personalized. How many have ever went somewhere and they did that extra touch? where they put your name on the screen when you walk in, they put your name tag on the tables when you walk in, and it's personalized. That tells me that this city is very personalized. Uh, Jesus went to prepare a place. Do you think that we could ever be a better hostess than Jesus Christ? (laughs) And so this city is going to be very personalized. Um, If their names are on the foundation, names are on the doors... What do you think is going to be on the inside of this city if he's preparing a place for you specifically? And so I believe that it's going to be a very personalized place. And I think when you walk in, it's going to have all of the touches that you love. In fact, he has to fulfill the scripture that says that, um, that um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. How many of you know that God knows everything that you desire? You say, well, I didn't get them in this life. Well, join the club. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, it said they died and had not yet received what they were promised. You say, well, God isn't keeping his promise then. He didn't give me everything I want in this life. And that's because you don't understand the Bible. The Bible is not linear birth and death. It's eternal. 
And so everything you've ever desired is going to be there. It's going to be personalized. And God's going to say, I kept my promise. You're going to say, well, I didn't get it in my life, but you did give it to me. And you say, bingo, that's exactly what God promised. How many know that? That the Bible says that they trusted in God, but in their lifetime, they didn't receive it. But Revelation chapter 21, they did. You say, well, man, God, I didn't get my healing. How many know that everybody gets healed? By his stripes, we were healed. You say, well, man, I didn't get my healing. You'll get your healing. How many know it may be today, it may be tomorrow, maybe next month, maybe next year, or it may be when we see him face to face, but you will receive your healing. How many know that? Hallelujah. That is, that is a promise. You say, well, God, I endured this during my life. I struggled with it and you promised you would heal me and you didn't do it. God said, ah, hold on. I mean, you know, the powers of the world to come, Hebrews says, sometimes manifests itself in this world. Sometimes God will heal you in this world. How many know that? It happens. I've seen it happen a million times. But no matter what, everything that God promised, he's going to fulfill. And so this is a very personalized city. Names are written on things. How many are happy about that? How many like personalized? Like, God, you not only did you make my mansion my room in your father's house, but it's personalized. That's awesome. I, I love that, that it's personalized. Hallelujah. That just, I want to stop there. You know, I could just shut it down right now. So then he begins to measure. And it says that um, <clears throat> the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold. That's interesting in itself. He's got a measuring rod made out of gold. Well, God, could you just give me the measuring rod? How many would be happy just with a completely golden measuring rod? And how heavy is that measuring rod? (laughs) That's a heavy measuring rod. Gold is very heavy. You know, most of us don't know because we've never had enough gold to know how heavy it is. But if you ever get a gold bar, they're very heavy. A rod, this is like a yardstick, okay, made out of gold. And so if God just gave me the yardstick, I would consider it heaven right now because we're beggars, aren't we? Right? That How many? How much do you think that measuring rod of gold is worth? Most people don't stop here, but I'm stopping here. That's a valuable, valuable piece of gold, right? I don't even know. Somebody will do the measurements for me and figure out what that is. But he measures the city. How many would like to know how big the city is? Now remember, this is the city I talked about last week that is coming out of third heaven. Literally is dropping out of heaven. You say, well, where was this place at? This is the place he prepared. This is the place that when we close our eyes, the Bible says, absent from your body, present with Christ. Right now, this city is actually in heaven But in this part, Revelation 21, after the tribulation, or during the tribulation and after the tribulation, it begins to drop out of heaven and it begins to come on the earth. And we begin to see the city and all those people that are with Christ. um, In fact, the city is actually called the bride. How many know we and the city are synonymous? The bride, which is the church, The bride, which is all believers, they're a part of that city. We're inseparable from the city. The city is us, and we are the city, but people are able, believers, to visit the city. So it's a real city. It's a real city because it's measured, it's seen, it's visited, it's open so people can go in and out. The the bride is actually going in and out of the city, so it's a separate entity, but we're considered the same as the city because we never leave it. I mean, no, we never leave the city. The city is us and we are the city. And so uh, this city comes down from heaven and he begins to measure the city, the gates and the walls. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it is wide, he measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and it was as wide 
and high as it was long. Okay, 12,000 stadia. Get this. And I want you got a picture of this. 12,000 stadia or 12,000 furlongs, which I think King James says, is the equivalent to 1,500 miles. So some will say 1,400 to 1,500 miles or 2,414 kilometers. Okay, that is the distance from Denver, Colorado to the uh, Atlantic coast. That's the distance from Canada to the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, now I want you to picture your heaven again. And you say, okay, it's 1,500. This is just the city. This isn't the entire world. This isn't the entire heaven. This is just a city that came out of heaven and came down to the earth. And it's 1,400 to 1,500 miles long. And it's 1,500 miles wide. So Canada to Mexico, Denver to the Atlantic. That's a, How many know that's a big city? Compared to any city in the world today, it's not even close. Okay? And get this. The walls of this city are as tall as it is long and wide. Okay, I think, and I wish I would have... Uh, Put it in my notes, but I was somebody calculated 20 foot high stories like in a building. And it was something like 330,000 stories. Okay, let's revise what we pictured this place to look like. I can't even imagine walls 1,400 to 1,500 miles tall. Can anybody picture that? It gets worse. Trust me. We, we, we right now can't even picture it, but it actually gets harder to understand. Because the walls of that city, where are my measurements here? So then it says a human measurement of a cubit, 144 cubits is the thickness of the wall. A cubit is 18 inches. You take 144 cubits, Times 18 inches, you come up with 2,592 inches. You divide that by 12 inches in a foot, and you have a wall that is 216 feet thick. A football field is how many feet? 300 feet. So it's almost the thickness of a football field for 1,500 miles and 1,500 miles up. How many knew that that gate was that big, or that wall was that big? Can you imagine walking up to the city? Now, let me ask you a question. How tall is the gate? Now, in our measurement, in our mind of what we were picturing as the gate, how many pictured a six-foot gate made of one pearl? How many pictured it to be, oh, it's got to be bigger, that's going to be 20 feet. You know how goofy a 20-foot gate would look on a 1,500-mile wall? It doesn't say the size of the gate, but it would look kind of ridiculous to have a 20-foot gate, three on each side. I'm going to bet you that that gate is as tall as the wall. And you say, what a big oyster. We don't, we don't know how God does it. God may have a planet millions of miles away where there's massive oysters. I don't know. But I'm going to bet you that gate, and most commentators will say that gate's probably tall, as tall as the wall. How many have ever been at a big gate? How many have ever went somewhere and traveled and you've seen a big gate? That's the biggest door I've ever seen. And it opens and it's imposing and it's maybe 10 foot tall or maybe 20 foot tall. Or maybe it's somebody's estate and it opens and it's just, wow, creaks open. Well, I want you to imagine a, each of the 12 gates are made out of a single pearl and there's three on each side. You say, well, I thought Peter just sat in a chair by one little gate and there was a little city with a golden street. Isn't it fun to just imagine heaven? Well, this door is always open and it's a gate that may be 1,500 miles tall. And walls that are 216 feet thick. 
(laughs) and 1,500 miles tall, and as big as nearly our entire country is a city, right? And so it says that the entire city is made of gold. Wow. There's an apocryphal story about a man who went to heaven and brought his gold with him. He brought it to heaven and he pulled it out. And they said, why do you have pavement in your pocket? You understand that God could have enough gold to make a city that big, purely made out of gold. And you say, well, what is the 216 foot thick walls made out of? Something they call jasper, which is clear and they say it's kind of like a diamond. You know, we don't really know exactly what it is, but it looks like a diamond. They say it's clear. They say the whole city is made to radiate the glory of God. See, here's the sad thing is I want to see the city. And only the righteous can enter. Only those who are in the Lamb's book of life will enter. There's nothing in this world that would take the place of me being allowed to see that city. I want to set my coordinates and I don't want to miss it. It's it's Jasper. I may appreciate John's vision here. It's the only one. Study it really well. Know it really well. And then it says it has foundations. This is pretty fascinating. The foundations have 12 layers of precious jewels. So how big is the foundation? 1,500 miles in a cube. So you will be able to see the foundations of the city and it will be in a cube 1,500 miles every direction. And then the wall, which is pure jasper, will be 1,500 miles up. The city will be complete gold and the boulevard that runs throughout the entire city will be gold. And, it, and this is a gold that we don't even understand. It's not the same gold we have. Because it's of a golden color, and it is gold, but it's translucent gold. We don't have translucent gold. It's something that John was trying to explain that appears like gold, and it is gold, but it's clear gold. So it's of a quality that we've never seen before. John's trying to explain something that we don't know. He's trying to explain jasper, which we don't really understand the wall, but it looks like a diamond. How many know that this entire city is made to reflect light? Ever seen a jewel? Ever been to a jewelry store? That case is like, I mean, lights hitting that case, and it's like, you've never seen anything like that. This city's going to be like that. Um, how many know it's got to be real if they give these very, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, if they give these definitions that are so incredibly detailed, he's seeing something real here, right? So listen to the foundation. The first foundation is this jasper stone, which he's already mentioned twice previously. So the first layer is made out of this diamond-looking substance. The second layer, which you've got to be able to see them, you say, well, if it's under the dirt, how can I see it? No, this city is made to be seen, the foundations. And it's made to reflect God's light. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. The second foundation is brilliant sapphire. A stone similar to a diamond in hardness, but blue in color. How many would like to see this? Diamond layer on top of a blue, almost diamond looking blue sapphire. Then you have an agate, which is stone that is sky blue with stripes. So now you get the diamond, the blue, then you got the blue with the stripes in it. And, and then you go a little further. The next one is an emerald. It's a bright green, you know, kind of shines like a diamond, but it's bright green. Um, and then you have a, um, an onyx, which is red and white. Then you have a carnelian, which is, um, a reddish color. Uh, they use different words in different versions. Um, you got one that's reddish color, almost honey colored too. Uh, then you got a seventh foundation, which is um, uh, golden, brilliant gold. Um, 
jewel, and then the eighth foundation is a sea green. Uh, the topaz is the ninth. It's a yellow green. Uh, the tenth is a another shade of green altogether different. The eleventh is a violet color, and the twelfth uh, one, uh, the amethyst, is a purple. So I just want you to imagine this foundation that goes 1,500 miles in every direction. Can you imagine following a foundation from Denver to the Atlantic that has 12 layers of that on it, and then the wall above it is almost looks like a diamond, and it's 1,500 miles tall? I mean, no, when God prepares a place, he, he does it well. And so the size of this place, listen to this. This is a... Uh, uh, Dr. Henry Morris, how many have ever heard of Dr. Henry Morris? He has several PhDs in geology and different uh, areas of science. He's the father of creationist research, but he gives a definition. He did some estimates on the size of the city. He said, well, man, I don't know if I'm going to have a sizable estate there or not. You know, He estimates that the total population of the world, past, present, and future, have been about 100 billion people. He says if 20%, which the Bible says that there are many that go down the path of uh, um, the wide path that leads to destruction, and there are few that find the road to eternal life. He said, but if there were 20% of the people that were in the Lamb's book of life and saved, he's just giving an estimate here. He said that would be 20 billion people, right? And he said if residents occupy 25% of the city, right? Only 25% is residences. He said that would leave 75% for avenues, parks, public buildings, and other areas. So he said if that 20 billion people only had 25% of this city, he said every person would have a cube of one-third of a mile, up, over, around, one-third of a mile would be your state. That's how big this city is because it goes 1,500 miles in the air. And you say, well, how do we get to the upper floor? Um, The only example we have of our bodies that we'll have then is Jesus. When he was in his glorified body, he actually walked through walls. Um, You know, he just had a lot of things that we can't do now. And that's the only example we have of what our bodies will be like. He actually ate food. He actually talked to living people. Um, he actually interacted with people that were on the earth. He did all the things he did before. He showed people his hand, said, fill it, and they could actually feel his hand. He was physical, but he was able to go through walls. He was able to go into the air. He was able to do lots of things. And so we'll experience this city in a way that we can't right now. Um, but this city, I mean, the beauty of this city, I don't, I don't think I can adequately really explain it. You know, can you imagine what it's going to look like? And um, so as you go on and you look at some of the other characteristics of the city, but it says, and this is a very interesting, highly debated question among commentators. It says the city is described as the bride, the lamb's wife. The church is described as the bride. The city is described as a bride. The church is described as a bride. The wall is 12 foundations, which is the 12 apostles. The church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Yet in the vision, there's a distinction made with the city because the nations of the saved are entering and leaving the city. Now here's what's really fascinating. We are in this city during the tribulation. How many know that? Those who are raptured, those who are changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, those who have died before us. How many know they're experiencing this city right now? Marriage Supper of the Lamb happens in this place. Yeah, it's at the end of the tribulation. And like I said, we're enjoying the city. We're enjoying... What it looks like, it's it's there in heaven and we're with the Lord. And then the Lord, um, at some point, God says it's time and he returns back to the earth. And how many know uh, the last couple of messages I've had, this is the 11th message. And um, go back and listen to the other 
10, but uh, you know, parts 9 and 10 of this message, I talk about the uh, millennial kingdom. And so Christ comes to the earth, sets up his kingdom. It's a 1,000 year reign. We rule and reign with him. And so this is where the question comes. And a lot of commentators, uh, they fall on both sides of it. What happens to the city during that period of time? Does it stay in heaven and only come down when the new earth and the new heavens are created, as it says in 21.1 that we covered last week, he's seen the city come down, there was a new heaven, there was a new earth. And remember, the, the new Jerusalem was not created at that time. The new heavens and the new earth are created, but 21.1 says that new Jerusalem had already been created in heaven. It already existed. God had already been preparing it for us. And the Bible says when the new heavens and the new earth are created, he drops that beautiful city upon the new heaven and the new earth. Like a jewel, like a jeweler would put a jewel on a golden ring. He just drops that city on a new heaven and a new earth. But the question is, for the thousand year millennial reign when we're helping rule and reign on this earth with Christ, what happens to us and how do we stay away from our precious city? Have you ever, ever thought about that? And so a lot of commentators, they fall on either side. Some say that that city doesn't come to the end of the thousand years and we, and, and then at that time it drops on the new heaven and the new earth. But then a lot like Dr. Ryrie and Dr. Uh, Dwight Pentecost and several different ones, they speculate. And so a lot of commentators won't speculate because they don't like to speculate. But a lot of good commentators think that the second time in the verses we're covering today, when that city comes down, it doesn't come on the earth yet. That it elevates itself over like a satellite city. And it just sits above the earthly Jerusalem and that the redeemed never actually leave their city. We help rule and reign from that city. But they speculate and they say, and there's several scriptures they use to back it up, that this Heavenly Jerusalem is just elevated for a period. That's why you see the foundations. That's why you see the city. But only the redeemed, only the righteous live in that city. And we help rule and reign from that city. But then others say, at the end of the thousand years, it finally comes down to the earth. And everybody agrees with that, that the city actually comes down to the earth when there's a new heaven and a new earth. So there's lots of speculation on what happens to that city during the millennial reign. But we do know at the end of the millennial reign, it comes down on a new heaven and a new earth. Hopefully that's clear to everybody. (laughs) But there's a lot of interesting things there. So we don't know what happens to the city. There's a lot of speculation on where the city's at between that period of time. But how many know it's an amazing thing when that city finally has a new heaven and a new earth and that city comes down and we get to see it? And uh, how many, I want to be a part of that thing. I want to, I want to see the city. I want to see the golden streets. I want to see the uh, golden city. I want to see the walls that are made of jasper. I want to see the foundations of the city. And we haven't even got to the good part yet. Hallelujah. How many think that you can remember Revelation 21? Well, let me ask you a question before I go any further. Does it look different than what you had in your mind when I started? <laughs> It's a little different. That that gate where Peter's telling jokes looks a little different because Peter isn't there. There's a giant angel there at each of the gates. That gate's bigger than we thought it was, and that city's bigger than we thought it was. That wall's bigger than we thought it was. It's an amazing city. The foundations are visible. Um, and, And like I said, we've got to figure out where that city, we know it comes down at the end of the tribulation period on the earth. But some other things we see in the city. Just some of the things that he mentions we should know about. It is illuminated, the Bible says, by the presence of God and the Lamb. Wow. We don't know what that feels like, do we? Can you imagine a place where, you know, we have an expectation that it's going to get dark here in a little bit, right? 
Imagine a place where you need no light bulbs. You know, the light of the Lamb and God. It says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So this city doesn't need any light. The Lamb lights the entire thing up. It doesn't need, it doesn't have an energy crisis. Okay, it's lit by the Lamb somehow. Um, it says it's enhanced by those who uh, enter it. You know, the nations uh, walk in its light. The kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. The gates are never shut. They're always open. There's no night there. Uh, nothing defiles, no abominations, no lies shall ever enter it. Only those who are in the Lamb's book of light. Another thing, the Bible says that there, um, in Revelation, um, it says that there is a... Um, In Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, it says that there's no more sea. I mean, oh, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, um, the Bible says there's no sea. I mean, oh, 71% of the earth right now is sea. 95% of our water comes from there, I think is what they say. 71% and I can't remember the numbers, but it's a lot. How I many know oh, when you look at this planet, it's blue? Okay, very blue and a little bit of green. The new heavens and the new earth are going to be different. No sea there anymore. It'll be recreated into a whole different looking heaven, a whole different looking earth. And the Bible says the only water that it ever mentions is a river of the water of life that flows from the throne of God. So how does this river flow? I, this We can't answer these. It says a river flows from the throne. And a lot of people think that the throne is at the upper part of this 1,500 miles, and it just flows. I don't know how many layers of this city we live in, but it just... How, how many can see this river just flowing all the way through the entire city of God? And it says, on either side of that river, it says that there is... Um, it says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal. Man, that's not the Mississippi, and that's not the Ohio, and that's not the Wabash. I mean, oh, that's a muddy river. This one's clear as crystal. Flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great streets of the city. On each great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life. Remember the tree of life from the Garden of Eden? It bore 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and their name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need light or the lamp or the light of the sun. The Lord God gave them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Can you see the tree of life? I mean, this river, I, I, I can't even see these, honestly. This river flowing through the entire city and bearing fruit and the tree of life on either side and um, gold everywhere. I mean, this is just the city. It doesn't say what the recreated heavens and the recreated earth that's outside the city. I mean, no, there's a lot more. The recreated, uh, the entire universe is going to be recreated at that point for eternity. It'll no longer be wasting away, but it'll be a recreated universe, a recreated heaven, a recreated earth. A new Jerusalem is going to be dropped down like a jewel right on top of the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, worship team, come on up. We're going to take communion this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, stand to your feet this morning. We'll do that. Hallelujah. Come on up, worship team. Now, see, I already uh, already said that the angels upon angels upon angels were better, you know, than Ryan. So now you're like, oh, we got to settle now for them. But uh, until that day, right? They're the best. <laughs> Hallelujah! How many are looking for? How many can picture heaven? How many can see the angels upon angels singing and recreated heaven and earth, the city whose architect and builder is God? If Abraham. His entire life was led by that. How many know that we got to be led by the same thing? We got to be thinking, man, Revelation 20, this is the end of the book. 
How many know the end of the book is where we want to be, um, what we want to shoot for? In fact, uh, we need to set our coordinates on, on, on the end of this book here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Everybody has their elements. All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I read a scripture last week that uh, Jesus said that he would not he would not drink the cup again until he's with us in eternity. Hallelujah. How many remember reading that last week? And um, I hope every time you take communion, you think about that. You know, about being with the Lord in eternity and, and what that's going to be like. And how many, how many ever sit around and just dream about heaven? And just, you know, God wants us to do that. That's the place, the time. I mean, some of the people that we love the most, they're there already. They're experiencing heaven right now. They're experiencing this city right now. How many know that? And uh, this life is very short, and sometimes we can forget that. Sometimes we can forget that this life is short and eternity is forever, right? And we can get so down about this life. We can get so down about the things of this world. And the Bible says that uh, we should comfort ourselves with this thought of Him coming and uh, in the air. And, and how many of you know we're going to be with Him forever? The moment I close my eyes, I'll be in the presence of the Lord. The moment He returns, I'll be with the Lord. This book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist. I've said that every week. It's not about the Antichrist kingdom. It's a weak and a fragile kingdom. It's about the kingdom of our Lord. And it's about looking forward to the end of Revelation where God finally establishes His kingdom here on this earth. Hallelujah. And when He says things like the meek shall inherit the earth, He means it. You say, well, man, I don't want to be meek. I want to be meek. I would like to inherit the earth with the Lord. I would love to see the new Jerusalem on this earth ruling and reigning with Christ. Hallelujah. And so we can't just say, well, that's a good scripture. And, you know, uh, sometimes we read the meek shall inherit the earth. We say, oh, that's a nice thing. Be meek. I don't think you're getting the implications of those scriptures. Scriptures, he's saying, I'm going to separate those who didn't listen and those who did. You know, I'm going to reward those who followed me. And there will be no reward for those who don't. The words that he's saying are much more serious than we take sometimes because he's setting up a kingdom that will never end. Hallelujah. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks... He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Eddie, would you like to come up and bless the bread? Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for... Lord, thank you for just living for us. Jesus, you... You emptied yourself to come to this earth and live for us. You came and you died for us. And Lord, we take this bread in remembrance of all that you've done for us and all that you will do for us. And we'll never forget. In Jesus' name we pray. know how much that bread means <laughs> there's some great promises in that body of Christ to be in the body of Christ and to see the things that when that heaven comes down we're going to see our inheritance I mean that is it symbolizes our inheritance hallelujah I mean you know that we may not have anything in this world and that's okay because our inheritance is in heaven stored and we're going to experience that hallelujah It says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. 
Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Mike, would you say a blessing over the cup? Hallelujah. Father God, we just uh, we thank you for your death. We thank you for eternal life in this description of the city that we're going to live in. Lord, I just pray that 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 hope would be on the tips of our minds, that, uh, Lord, that we would get to experience that one day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. When you look at everything that God's prepared for us, doesn't it seem worth it just to come in every week and worship Him? It seems inadequate. In fact, I'll tell you, I feel inadequate explaining that city because I can't. I've done my best to try to explain it, but church, I just pray that when you're in your prayer time that you would just try to visualize that day, what it's going to be like that first day, just the first one. And then you'll say to yourself, man, I've got all of eternity eternity here. But that first day, dream about it, pray about it, say, God, make it real to me. Because that is our destination. It's all worth it. Everything in this world, you could be the, you could be that poor man that was outside of the rich man's door and he had sores on his body, and it said the, the dogs licked at his sores. He was so miserable. How I many remember that story? When he died, the angels picked him up and delivered him to heaven. Now, do you think that guy right now is upset about how bad his life was? <laughs> I just, that guy's been there for a long time. And we're going to be there real soon. You say, well, man, Chad, I'm getting old. And I hate it. I hate getting Trust me, you are getting closer and closer to that city if you're right with God. And church, we got to start getting happy about that. we got to start realizing this world is almost over. You say, but the politics, who cares about the politics? You know, this world is almost over. We're going to be in the presence of the Lord. We're going to be in that city. God has prepared a place, and Jesus said, If it weren't true, I wouldn't tell you. And two times in this scripture, before he talks about the city and after he talks about the city, he says, These sayings are faithful and true. That means mark it down. This isn't an allegory, this is a real city that you can look forward to. It almost sounds unbelievable. Let's say that somebody said this was hidden in an Amazon forest, this city. And you say, well, it's too good to be true. And then all of a sudden, you open up the brush. But oh, my goodness, there's the city. That's how real this city is. It's a real city that we're going to experience. And church, let's just worship the Lord for a few minutes before we leave and try to experience that in your heart and mind, that city. Hallelujah.
so good to those who love you, Lord. So good to us, Lord. Lord, we haven't been nearly as good to you as you've been to us, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that we would uh, fall in love with you, Lord, and and, uh, Lord, draw closer to you than we've ever been. Lord, that we can experience your love and your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Lord, that you would hold us, Lord, until we uh, are together, Lord, forever. Lord, bless your people as they go, Lord. In your name I pray.